Welcome to Deeper Dive. I'm your host, Jay Wall. And this is another weekly podcast sponsored by Plantation SDA Church. This is season four, episode 47. And my world's greatest co-host, of course, is still away visiting her relatives. So keep her in your prayers. And we thank you. And we also like to thank our podcast listeners for taking the time out. Text us any of your sermon-related questions to 954-388-8780. And as always, subscribe to our channel at deeperdive.plantationsca.tv. And guess who we have back? Our nice pastor. I, I, I like him. He's a nice guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a nice guy. He's a, get started he with us when he's a good guy. Yeah, to like think that. about it, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was going to say something else. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, we have time to call and say welcome, brother and brother. Welcome back. Yeah, great to be back. All right, my friend. That's good. That's good. As we always do, let's start off with a word of prayer and we'll be underway. Father God, we thank you once again for all you've done for us, Lord. Thank you for this podcast and the components and the people that play their part for your glory. Let this message that we talk about be blessed and let it be blessing to someone else. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Yeah, I, I have to come up with a name for you, my friend. I mean, I have names for all of you know, like our pastor <laughs> we did for the last podcast. Uh, pastor Rose is called the uh, Fashionable Shepherd. Ooh, so yeah, yeah that's that. a good one for him. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going, to, we're going to have to get you one. We've got to get you one. I'll come up with one next time, I'm sure. All right, so serving under the circumstances. And before I get yes. started, I wanted to thank the three baptism candidates for making the best choice they could ever make and to be a part of our family. So we want to thank them and their families. Amen to that. that. Yeah, so here we are. Um, circumstances, uh, serving under circumstances, uh, judges six, uh, was it four to 12, I believe? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that was the, that was the key verse, but essentially, yeah, we went over the judges, mm-hmm. all of judges six, seven, yeah, yeah. a little right. bit. Of That's good. Um, you first started off saying in your sermon that we give thanks, uh, for, you know, breath, life, breath and, and, and health and strength and all those other things. But you mentioned that we don't really give thanks for our challenges. Why is that? Well, I mean, I think, you know, I think the answer is in human nature. And, you know, I mentioned it in the sermon, too, that maybe, and I don't know, I'm not so certain about this, but but Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it's okay. You know, maybe it's okay that we don't give thanks for our challenges necessarily. Um, Mm -hmm. But... I do think that the reason we don't do that is because it sucks, you know, to put it, <laughs> to put it simple, hey, it that's sucks. Right. It mm-hmm. makes us, it makes us feel bad. It makes us, it makes us doubt um, God. It makes us doubt our own abilities, you know, and it puts us in an uncomfortable situation. You know, with that said, kind of the the point of the sermon, and it's, it's been a theme in some of the times that, that I've spoken already, that the idea is, that we can view these challenges as a as a positive thing, right? It is a chance mm-hmm. for improvement. And specifically in this sermon, the idea was that we are to persevere even right. through those challenges. Our relationship with God and our our work for him should not um be hindered by the challenges mm-hmm. that are said before us. Right. Yeah, I, I know you mentioned it about because the Bible speaks about 
uh, how we handle these circumstances, which also builds character, spiritual character. Absolutely. Right. So let's give you a story. Now, here's Gideon. Well, let's go back. Here's the Israelites. You know, they're, um, they had, what, 40 years of peace. And, yep. uh, but it seems like the Israelites are doing what, what the Bible says. They're doing evil in the sight of God. And yeah. of course, God says, okay, since you're going to do that to me, I'm going to have the Midianites put you in what captivity on seven years. Yeah, well, it was seven uh, years yeah. of oppression for sure. Yeah, every right, every right. harvest they'd come and they'd just murder them. Yep. Mm-hmm. So talk about these nomads. Uh, <laughs> I guess the Midianites. <laughs> I like you know, living this nomadic lifestyle. Talk about them a little bit because they were some bad, bad dudes. I understand. Yeah, well, the Bible says it wasn't just the the Midianites. I guess the Midianites were probably the majority of the forces. Yeah. Um, and so it was the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the Bible says Eastern peoples. So uh-huh. as to mm-hmm. where specifically they are, I mean, I'm sure that there's an answer to that, but I, I don't have it right off the top of my head. But, but okay. yeah, uh, you know, people from the East, that's what the Bible, that's the term the Bible uses. And mm-hmm. so they would come and they would beat them all the way back. I think the Bible says they would beat them all the way back to Gaza, something like that. Mm-hmm. Something crazy like mm-hmm. that. Right, and, right, um, right. And they were, yeah, they would come and they were living these nomadic lifestyles. So these were not, these were the people who lived off of killing others. These were not wow. people who were agricultural. They did not have a home where they yeah. settled and grew farms. No, the, these people literally survived off you of killed killing other people. That's what they yeah. did. That's, that's, that's what they that's did. Bad. That's bad. Yeah, but, you know, and, and it also gives you an idea as to the challenge they were facing, because imagine if I am a farmer who mm-hmm. has been, who most 90% of my time I farm and then I go out and I fight occasionally, what chance mm-hmm. do I stand against a guy who's killing 90% of the time? And maybe occasionally, you know, he's like eating or you know, reaping slim, or whatever. Slim to none. Yeah. Slim to none. Yeah. I can understand. That's- but, but you made a point about uh, many of them. said, you said that they would actually go, um, they kill off the people. And get their the cattle or whatever they get, but yet still they don't destroy the homes. They don't destroy the homes, and that was yeah, that was something really interesting to me that I found out. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, it's such a it's such a good reason for it too, but it's almost it's almost really devious, you know. It's like they they wouldn't destroy the homes because they didn't want the Israelite people to move. They wanted right. them to hide in their caves so that when the Midianites came, the Israelites would spend another year reaping and doing and sowing and doing all of the work so that again the Midianites could come next year and destroy them and they knew that yeah. if they destroyed the the, the homes yeah. that the Israelite people would just be like well we lost everything so we may as well leave so yeah, they yeah, would I do understand. something yeah. really smart they'd keep the homes it's very devious but very yeah, very yeah. intelligent yeah very intelligent right a repetition here that's that something um so here we have Gideon um, he was, um, it was funny. He's a warrior. And of course he's, you know, and you said that God uses broken people, which he sure does because nobody, even people with tricked past, he can use them. So now he chose, he chooses Gideon and here's, here's the doubt for Gideon. Now he, it's so funny how you said that he puts God through this test <laughs> to, um, see the things. And I didn't know how many things he had to do for God to say, okay. I'm here. <laughs> I done done these what two or three times, and you still doubt me. I don't understand that. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I, I think that's such an interesting point because I think, I think it happens like to us and I, and I can, I can visualize moments in my own life mm. where I have, I have just received this enormous blessing from God, you know? Right. And then right after something will happen and immediately I falter. I'm like, Oh God, you know, you, is this really what you want for me? You know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, we see that reflected in Gideon's life, but what stands out to me about the situation is that there are times in the Bible where God seems to be upset when people ask them for a sign or ask mm-hmm. him for a sign. But then there are other times like in Gideon where God obliges. Yeah. And, and that, I, I think that's an interesting thing to think about. You know, I don't mm-hmm. exactly have such a great answer right now, but that's yeah, an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I, 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 what I like about the fact that he, as you say, like Christ, he, uh, he chastens us, you know, even to the ends of the earth, that all these many times that he did that, he just kept going after Gideon to, to say, hey, you're the one. You're the one that's going to lift my people out of this bondage and put them in your, take the millions into your hands. But what got me is the fact that um, he's his father now. He's have this altar and many other people have his altar to bail. Mm-hmm. And then he tells him about the bull offering and you know, the fleece and all these other things. But you know what's so funny about it when you mentioned about the curry goat? <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing about that. <laughs> that was <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> so you wonder why he bring out the goat, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. If there's, yeah. Hey, if there's anybody who's wondering why God took goat, I'm telling yeah, you, know don't why. try curry goat. <laughs> You'll, you know, you'll, you'll be a believer. <laughs> <laughs> but but, yeah. but the, the thing about it is, is that I'm, I'm glad that the father, uh, after the, the Israelites wanted to kill him, you have to, you know, tear down what God had told him and build an altar on top of that. And they gave him, what was the name they gave him? Jeruba They Bell. gave him, yeah. Jeruba Yeah. And that's for because of the fact that uh, they thought that Baal was going to deal with him or recover. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, okay. All right. They the the name literally means let Baal or let Baal deal with him. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Because gotcha. that was the argument that that his father made. His argue his father said, "No, no, no! Don't kill my son. Mm-hmm. If Baal is a real god, then allow Baal to deal with him himself." Right, right. And and so they, they were like, okay, fine. And they mm-hmm. pronounced that his name. Right, understood, understood. So now, uh, here's God telling them that he's he's got, what, how many men at the time? About 10,000? I think out, in well, total he had 32. 32, and then uh, he 30, gave 32, him this about, <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Give him this test of the drinking water. What was it? Why, 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 why that test? Well, the first thing that he did, actually, was... Uh, he turned and he said to the men, whoever's afraid, go home. That's the first thing yeah, that he did. That, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, he did. And a lot yeah. turned away. And at that moment, 22,000 men left. Wow. He was left with, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, okay, then the next one was the drinking bit? The drinking yeah, the next care? one was the drinking okay. bit. Okay, this is the one where either you, 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 you bend down and you drink with your hand and the other ones you get, I guess, on your knees like a dog. 
well, one, you, well, the way that the Bible puts it is you bend down and you you drink like a dog from your hand. So you know how a dog kind of laps from a bowl? Yeah, laps the water right uh, hands. Okay. And then the other one was you kneel down and you just plunge your face into the water and you just drink like that. Okay, okay. That's the that's the one the three hundred guys did. The ones where no, they the one sat that, down. This is the first one they did. They stayed down, you know, just kind of like bend over and put your hand in the water. Yep, that's what the three hundred okay. did. Everybody gotcha. else knelt down and plunged their head into the water. I tell you, what a way what a way to find out. And then here's here's the thing that God tells them that there's still too many men. I, I don't know if I could have dealt with that. I, mean, I don't know if anyone of, any of us that, that's a with lot that. man I mean you got you, you got the, the amount of people that are your enemies just more than you can count <laughs> and you find out now you have 300 men that, that's wow yeah. oh boy I tell you so here comes the bit with um, him being afraid now he's being afraid yeah. because God says okay then you're going down doing, and then getting still he sees them and then God says, okay, do the same through the trumpet. Now, that's pretty ingenious how he came up with the trumpet bit. I, I like how it, can you explain that a little bit more? The, the, the yeah. trumpet ritual? Yeah. So we have to remember that back then, mm -hmm. um, trumpets were used to command armies. Back right. then, we didn't have earpieces. We didn't have bullhorns. We didn't have the, a guy in the front line had no way over all the clattering and all the screaming and all that stuff to be able to hear the general giving commands. So gotcha, every gotcha. unit had a trumpeteer. So the mm -hmm. instruments were very important because the men were trained to react to the trumpet. So if the trumpet mm -hmm. made a certain sound, then everybody knew, okay, we have to do a certain maneuver. Mm -hmm. And so a warrior back then might understand that one trumpet is actually governing or commanding um, you know, a certain amount of men, uh, the exact number, I can't tell you that would depend on the army, but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be unusual. It wouldn't be crazy to think that a trumpet would be connect, uh, commanding at least 50 or a hundred, maybe even a thousand men. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Wouldn't back a hundred uh, men for one trumpet. You could do that. Yeah. A hundred men. Okay, Again, okay. the exact numbers, I'm not sure. Uh, I right. guess it would depend, but, but yeah, uh, it would be a large amount of men connected to one trumpet. That's for sure. Okay. Um, okay. So, yeah, the idea was, I believe, um, it does, it's not expressly said in the Bible, and I'm not sure if uh, many commentaries have gone into this, but it is my belief that with that in mind, the idea was to deceive the enemy into thinking, <laughs> you know, when they heard 300 trumpets, they, yeah. must have, they must have thought, whoa, this is a massive force, you know, that that has surrounded us, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that was ingenious for them to do it to split them up uh, in, in groups of a hundred uh, around a camp like that. And that that's just, just ingenious right there. Because I'm thinking myself, I'll be thinking, yeah, this might be close to a million. Yeah, I mean, somewhere. I mean, I'm just saying, it could, you could be. You know what I'm saying? That's what thing you could be yeah. thinking about. Like, you're you're in a total night. You know, see, because I know what they did when they did battle one night or whatever. It was always the. Um, Always what the 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 fire, you know, and yeah. doing what they need to do. And now here they are, they hit, they blow the trumpets, and now there's mass chaos. Yep. Well, I mean, here they come with them. Mm -hmm. You you have to in order for these stories to come to life, and and of course it's the best way to read the Bible. Of course, you have to you have to put yourself 
in the perspective of the people in the story. A lot of people hear the story of Gideon and they go like, man, that's so weird, right? That these guys would just mm-hmm. start killing each other. Well, imagine right, right, right. Mm-hmm. the guard had just finished changing. They had just finished switching. So that means that the camp, all the guards in the camp were still a little disorganized. Mm-hmm, it's you. the middle of the night. There are no yes. street lamps, So you can't see anything, right? Assuming that there was, maybe if there was a moon, I don't know, but you can't really see much at all. You see around your entire camp, there's torches. So you think that you are encircled. And Understood. then you hear 300 trumpets, which makes you think not only am I encircled, I'm encircled by a sea of people. Yeah, yeah. So it's wow. the middle of the night. You know, your your camp probably starts shouting everybody, you know, to command to, to battle positions, but nobody can see anything. Everything's disorganized. It's the mm-hmm. middle of the night. You're terrified. The moment you bump into somebody, you think you, this yeah, is an enemy. It's just automatic. Yeah, this is automatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is an enemy. I'm going to defend yeah. myself, you know? Oh, my God. I can imagine how that looked in the morning time. All those dead bodies. Wow. Oh, yeah. Imagine being a Midianite. Imagine being a Midianite who who survived the night. Because it does say, we didn't go into it for time, but not every single Midianite died in that moment. That's when the the army was destroyed. And then the Midianite army, uh, at that point, they decided to flee. Yeah. And then as they fled, that throughout the time that they were fleeing, that's when Gideon uh, called the other people of Israel and they picked off the rest. Okay, gotcha. um, Because they had more more than us. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine, oh imagine having, mm-hmm. imagine being a midnight. <laughs> the sun finally comes up, and you're like, "Oh man!" <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> that, the thing that gets me is, is that the fact that you see all the things. I don't understand. Well, I can say a lot of us might do that. You know, you see all the miracles and the great powers that God does, but yet still, we still doubt. We still doubt. It's yeah, still doubt. That's just. I can see it happening. I mean, I can see it happening. I mean, you know, I'm. In my life, I've grown up and seen things I thought were miracles, but yet still, it's like you don't see, you know, as a little boy, I used to question, I, I, why can't I see God? Because, you know, he's invisible. Where is he? You know, just question you know, as a little boy. But you see these little miracles that I've seen in my life, and I turned around and was like, okay, I guess there is a God, you know? But it's not, it's not just your parents telling you. It's just the fact that, you know, you experience it. You know, yeah. that's my point. You just experience it. And you're like, okay, until I got older and got more into the faith and I understand, yeah, yes, this is a reason why God is who he is and why he does what he does. So that that's why I go with that. But I can understand Gideon being how he was at that time. I can understand that. I can understand. Yeah. But he ended up being and, a hero. He was a hero. And it looks, and it, it's supposed to show how we, who are doubters and who are unbelievers and who fail, even we can practice, you know, heroic levels of faith. We mm-hmm. can do that. We, yeah. you know, Gideon is not special. Like these biblical heroes, they're not special. We grow up thinking, wow, oh, wow, Jeremiah. Oh, wow, Moses. Oh, wow. You're they're right, not special. Right. They're, they're human beings. Yes. They had, they made mistakes. And that, that was the point of the sermon. I wanted people to go away understanding. You can be the next Moses. You can be. You can. You can. You definitely can. You, you just have you to put yourself in, the, in, in in God's hands like that. You have yes. to trust like that. You have to like really said, do yeah. this crazy stuff. Yeah, that's it is. That's and that's all dealing with total submission. You know, trust in Him because, like I said, these people in the Bible, they've done some really horrible stuff. 
you know, because I know David's like the superhero of the Bible, but yeah, he did some, he did some stuff. He really did, but he acted (laughs) and God, and God knew that David loved him and he loved David. He acted, you know, he did things in the moment, like certain things in the moment. You do things in the moment when God calls you and you do it, you do it. And God can use you. God can use it. But you know, one thing I did like it, you asked, what is your Gideon? What was the question you asking? Remember? Your, what yeah, is, your, what is your Midian? What is your, what is your what's your Midian? Sorry, not Gideon. What yeah. is your, your Midian? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, because that could be yeah. anything. That could be no, anything. we all got struggles. We all got struggles. And that, that's what's important to me. You know, I think, I think sermons need to be applicable and they need to address real life. Real issues. life. Yeah, exactly. And, real life. And we all mm-hmm. have a Midian. We all have a Midian. The pastors, hey, we, mm-hmm. we got Midians, man. We got of some course. really big Midians. You know, our elders, we got Midians. Our visitors, mm-hmm. we got Midians. There's not a human on this planet that doesn't have something that is that is that is hurting them, that is yeah, genuinely hurting them. I think the part that, that separates people from it is the ones that don't want to address it, the ones that live in denial. You know, they, yeah. they don't. And those Absolutely. are the ones. And they, that's, but see, those Christ can't work with that. You know, Christ needs to have you broken he needs to have you the way you know so he can make you strong through his power and that yes last thing i wanted to mention to you is like can you tell me about the bar in the church that's a joke that i had heard a while ago and it just cracked me up so mm-hmm. i thought it was appropriate for for the for the sermon i mean i could i could tell the story now that if you want the listeners to hear it or, uh, you know, yeah, right quick. Yeah, just right quick. It was just funny when yeah. you said it. I, I, you know, what what happened when you what the yeah. church did? Yeah. So, yeah, essentially, the story goes, there's a there's a preacher on Sunday and he he's been noticing a decline in his attendance. And he goes like, man, there's got to be a reason. So he checks it out and he finds out that a new bar just opened across the street from the church. And what's been happening is all these people that were going to church now when they saw the bar that's open on Sundays, they go like, all right, well, we're going to go to the bar instead. And so mm-hmm. the preacher says, well, this can't be. So we're going to do something. We're going to pray for God to burn down that bar. And so <laughs> he, and his, he and his church members, they get together and they start praying for this bar to burn down. Wow. And sure enough, at some point, I think after they finish praying, a lightning storm comes and that bar burns to the ground. Nobody's hurt, but the bar burns yeah. to the ground. Right, right. And the bartender, he hears about this. And the bartender is, you know, pretty angry about this. So he he sues the church. And when they get to court, the bar, uh-huh. the barkeep, he says, hey, I'm suing the church because they prayed for my bar to burn down. And now, look, my bar is burned down. And the preacher, of course, says, well, I, uh, I you know, we were, we were we were just praying. We didn't, we didn't think it was actually going to happen. And and that's when the judge, the judge starts to laugh. And the judge says, I can't believe what I'm seeing. A bartender who believes in the power Mm -hmm. of prayer more than the preacher. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, what you say, the the faithless has more faith than we do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. That is something else. That's just something else. I mean, you know, I mean, you should never even pray for something like that anyway. But uh, no, of course not. But yeah. uh, you know, you should have a different agenda, you know, <laughs> but that's okay. Well, Pastor, I want to thank you uh, for just taking the time out as always. I know you just came of course. first board meeting and everything. Thank you for doing this. 
nighttime version. It's my pleasure, man. It's my pleasure. Okay, but as we always do, we have to lead us out in a word of prayer, and we appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you because you're able to use broken people for your perfect will. We just, we have so many issues and every day we wake up, we, we find a way to fall or to mess up, but we know that you're there. And our religion is not one of just guilt and sadness. We can have joy that you have yes. not only forgiven us and given us your salvation, that you can use us, that you can use us who are broken people to do these amazing things and spread your love and, and help the people of the world that need it, Lord. And that's why now that we leave here, I want you, I want to ask, Lord, that you pray that you bless everybody, everybody who is listening to this and who listened to the sermon or who is going to listen later, years from now, that you bless them so they can walk out understanding that God has a purpose for them and that they, they have the bravery to walk through with that, to go through with that. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Carlos, I really appreciate you. So I guess the more the story is, if you're broken, you can be used. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, my brother.